Welcome back to the Gritty Girls. We're so glad you're here with us again. Hey, Jeannie, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going. It's October, man. It is October. Did you know, actually, that Bride Magazine says it used to be June, right? Do you remember when we were like younger? It was always June in the plaza was when everybody was going to oh. get married. Now, October is the number one month of the year that people get married. Why is that? Do you think it's fall, like with the changing of the I, yeah, leaves? I don't know. Maybe pretty barn. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know all those trends. We could probably do a whole episode just on <laughs> wedding trends. I have no idea. I'm so out of touch with wedding trends. I, right? I know it's been a long time. So, how long has it been since you got? When did you get married? Uh, well, I've actually I've been married twice. So, okay. I for the first time I was married just for three years. Um, but now I've been married to my wonderful husband, Eric. It's been 18 years. 18 years. You actually have a legal adult in your marriage. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 18 Isn't that crazy. Years. That 18 crazy. years. My marriage can now vote. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. I was also reading the same report um, in Bride Magazine that that average American couple doesn't even make it eight years. So your um almost three times past the national average. Wow. I know it's a sad stat, isn't it? Well, I'm one for two because I mean, the first one True. was only three years, but that's a whole nother story for lots that's, more That's episodes. another episode yeah. down the road. Probably several more episodes. But foreshadowing, anyway. <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> that's we'll awesome. get into that a little bit later. How long have you been Yeah, married? we are, um, we have been married since 1999. So we laughed that we actually played, we're going to party like it's 1999 <laughs> Yes, at our wedding, which was awesome. So that would be coming up on um, just 24 and a half years, almost 25. So, oh my goodness. Are you going to have a big plan for your 25th? I don't know. You'll have to ask oh. my husband about that. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Kylie, if you're listening, she's coming for you. Uh, that's hysterical. Yeah, so 25 years. Weird fact, um, we we now have been together, including the time that we were dating, um, for longer than we lived before we were um, together. So it's weird that half of my life has been spent with him as my husband. So That's amazing. And I just think of like longevity in marriages and stuff, because I think of in my family, my great grandparents on my mother's side, mm -hmm. uh, made it 75 years. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. And I'm like, and what a blessing because there's so many people they that like don't 10 even, when they got married, they were teenagers, yeah. like very, like 18, 19. And both of them lived very long lives. My great grandfather lived to almost be 103 okay, wow. before he passed away. And then my great grandmother, she was, I want to say 98 or 99. So okay. they yeah, lived they long lives wow. too. So 75 years. That means I would have like 50 more years of being married to Kylie. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all for that. I love him and I want to be with him until the day one of us goes to meet Jesus. But wow, that's a long 75 time. 75 years. A lot of people don't even live that long, you know? Right. So, Right. Being married to someone for 75 years. That's crazy. Oh, goodness. So if you haven't figured it out, we're going to talk about marriage today. We um, put a poll out a couple weeks ago um, on our Instagram. So if you want to make sure you're following us at the Gritty Girls podcast. Um, and we asked the question, what are some things you hope that we would talk about? And marriage was one that came back um, as a pretty high rated topic. And so here we are today. We're going to dive into what it is about marriage. So where do we, where should we start, Jeannie? <clears throat> I think we need to start at the beginning. Well, that's a logical thing. 
I just like totally went to sound of music. Let's start at the very beginning. You guys Sorry. watch out. She might start singing. Um, yes. Um, I break out in a song. I can't help it. Um, but anyway, those people that know me, they know that happens. That's another me. podcast episode though. Songs. What songs do you think of when we say something? That could be super fun. That that could be super fun. Review of coming attractions. <laughs> All right. So starting at the beginning of marriage and you know that Shell and I both love the Lord very much. And so when when I say that we need to start at the beginning, to me, we need to start back at who designed marriage, mm-hmm. who created marriage, because yeah. it wasn't just something that we as humans decided to do. And so going back to the beginning, you know, going to the Bible, mm-hmm. Genesis chapter two, and I'm going to read it here, starting with verse 18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, I think reading that just right now, what struck me was that God went from calling, you know, man and then a helper for him and then went immediately to wife, Mm -hmm. talking about wife. So, Eve was created specifically for Mm -hmm. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think um, we get wrapped around the axle, especially as the American church women um, about that conversation of what it, what it means to be a helper. Right. And um, as I was diving into that, I um, actually came across some information about um, that verse and in chapter um, chapter two, verse 18, where he says that he makes a helper for him. The actual Hebrew words for that um, are Ezra, if I'm going to say it right, and please, my Hebrew experts, be patient with me here. Um, Ezra Konegdo. And um, that term right there actually means um, something different than what we think when we translate helpmate or subservient or the one underneath because actually that hebrew word means to aid to give strength and to help them in a way that they cannot help themselves and i think that that is um incredibly powerful i've seen that in my marriage you know kylie and i are two very 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 different people with two different sets of strengths and weaknesses and yet when we come together we're able to complement each other both in our strengths and in our weak in, in our weaknesses kind of help each other 
Um, and I think that when when we look at the what actually was the context of what God was trying to say there, um, you know, people will say every other time that that phrase is used throughout Scripture in, in the Hebrew, actually God's speaking of Himself and what He's bringing to the um, Israeli people. And when you would never think of God as subservient to a culture of people that he created, instead, he's just saying, I'm able to do things that you are not able to do, which will make you stronger and more powerful. And I think that that's actually a beautiful picture of um, what a God-centered marriage is, is not one above the other, not one more dominant than the other, but just this ability to come together and aid each other in our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Well, and just like thinking about how scripture even says that God took one of Adam's ribs. So this is something from Adam's side mm -hmm. where he's creating Eve. And so I think it's like a side to side because my brain just goes, oh, like here's a rib. So then that becomes Eve's rib. Like this is just totally me being imaginative here. Mm -hmm. But I mean, going from side to side that just shows that that's equality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't that he took a different part of Adam and made like a foot or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Like he started from side to side right. to make equal. And I love uh, what you said about how the word helper, God used that to describe himself. Mm -hmm. You know, because there are so many times in our lives that we come across things that we just can't do it on our own or we need guidance and or we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the wisdom and things, but then God has all of that. And uh, I just think that's just a beautiful representation, like you said, of the complementary design that men and women have mm -hmm. together. And it's from... The beginning is yeah. created from the beginning. I think um, so. I cut sometimes um, nerd out on neuroscience, right? And um, one of the things that I think is really interesting um, is actually that men and women's brains are created very differently. We have the same brain, but when um, testosterone, which is what makes a male a male, enters his line, it actually washes. Um, is it the corpus callosum? Somebody's going to fact check oh, me that on that. Oh, that connects both halves that of the brain. That connects yep. both halves of the brain. Whew, I got a nurse here. She's backing me up. <laughs> and um, But I, re I remember in my counseling classes when, when my profs were explaining all of this and saying, so the interesting thing is that women are able to multitask differently than men, or we say multitask, because what we're able to do is we're able to live in both sides of our brain at the same time, where once that division happened, that actually is what makes a man a man, he's either in his right brain or he's in his left brain. And he's able to compartmentalize those two things in a very different capacity. And because of that, men don't think like women and women don't think like men. And that doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just means it's different. And so when we come together in our differences, we're able to actually complement each other again, back to that statement of filling in your gaps, because sometimes we need to have logic without emotion. And sometimes we need to have emotion with our logic. And those are two different things that our brains actually function differently to make us happen. Um, you know, I, I don't know who's the one who would be 
tagged with the word like men are like waffles when they're like spaghetti. <laughs> I remember hearing that title. I think that's a, a title of a book, isn't it? Yeah, there is that. Men are like Mars, women are like Venus. Venus yeah. yeah, you know, but like um, men are waffles. So if you think of like a waffle and it has all the little different compartments and you can have syrup in one and not have syrup in another. Um, but but women like spaghetti is just all melded together. So what's happening at home is going to impact them at work. It's going to impact them in their friendships where for men, they're, they're actually, their brains are created to be able to compartmentalize so they can focus differently on things and not be distracted. And I, I just think it's an amazing um, creation of God that he made our brains to be like that. Oh yeah. Well, and it's just, even with um, thinking of the complementary ism again, between a man and a woman, um, I think of the role that you have in your marriage when you are blessed with kids and you have, you know, you become a parent. And I feel like the majority of the women that I know, they're nurturers. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I look at the majority of men that I know, I mean, they're, they're kind, they're loving, but I wouldn't call them like that nurturing quote, mm -hmm. mothering type. So that's just another yeah. difference in design that we can see. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's one verse in there that, um, well, there's two verses actually, um, beyond that, that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. And one is, um, verse 24, where it says, and this explains why a man will leave his father and mother and is joined with his wife. And the two are united in one. I think sometimes we, even as parents, you know, and this is about marriage, not about parents, but I have older kids now who, you know, in the near future will be stepping into relationships and just understanding that that leaving and cleaving is, is right. Like it's, it's supposed to be that way. There, there does come a day when as a mom there in my son's life, there will be a woman who he loves more then he loves me and it doesn't diminish his great love for me as a man or um, as, as his mom, it's just his wife, they're setting up their family. And that's actually a biblical principle. And sometimes we as families find drama over the whole topic of, but you need to stay like us, you know, and, and yet marriage, I'm sure you've experienced in yours, you know, his family of origin and my family of origin are two radically different things and bringing those together to create our own family that will become my children's family of origin is a, is a process that is supposed to happen. That's how the world is supposed to go according to scripture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, and I think the two that, you know, they, they shall become one flesh. So it's mm -hmm. not just that they complement each other in yeah. the way that they're designed. But I mean, you think physically okay. too, you know, like men and women are made to fit together, you know? Um, so it's just all around a one flesh, yeah. you know, the two will become one. Yeah. Um, so that very last verse, that was last one I wanted to touch on. Um, my husband and I often laugh. We do a lot of premarital counseling and we, we laugh because we're like, you know, we, we wonder why, why did God put in there and they were naked and felt no shame, right? <laughs> it seems like an odd thing when you're a nine-year-old in Sunday school and somebody's reading the book of Genesis, you giggle about it, right? But what I understand now, um, having been married for half my life and also having worked with dozens and dozens of couples over time is that unfortunately we have a misconception of what intimacy really is, you know, in, in our culture, intimacy is an act. Intimacy is physical affection, all of that, but actually intimacy in its truest form is being known and fully known without fear of rejection. And so much time in our culture, we've actually become the spot where we're more willing to be 
physically naked in front of somebody as opposed to being emotionally or spiritually naked in front of another human being. And so understanding like all of those components, those feed together to actually make your marriage rich and able to stand the test of time because you, that is the one person that you can know you have intimacy with that you're known and fully known without fear of rejection. Oh, totally. And it just goes to show why he wants it between, you know, one man and one woman, because in the case of infidelity, adultery, things like that, then you are becoming bare. Yeah. You know, with somebody else that is not your spouse Mm -hmm. and just how that can muddy the waters and mess things up and have consequences that you don't realize for sure or may not realize for years to come yeah in in all of those things that is absolutely true um so wow uh that went deep quickly um i feel like we might have needed to give people life rafts before we started But here we are at the end of the podcast already. And we decided that we were going to end every podcast with three questions for you. So Jeannie, what are those questions? All right. So based on what we talked about, the biblical definition of marriage, how God designed it. So what stood out to you? Was there something new that you hadn't heard of before? Uh, Second question is, what are you supposed to do with the information? And third one is, is there somebody that you need to share this with? that may not know what God has designed marriage to look like. And yeah, Um, I think that for me, even going back when I start to chew on things like some of the principles that we talked about, questions like that are super impactful and moving from just hearing something to acting on it and implementing it into my own life. And maybe it's the life coach in me, but that's something that I love. So please guys, the next hour, would you take some time, jot some notes, maybe if you have to even put them in your phone by voice text, because you're driving somewhere while you're listening to us, we really want this podcast to be something that gets down to the nitty gritty of life, marriage, faith, and family. And so we want this to impact you beyond just listening to us um, on a Thursday afternoon. So we are excited that you have joined us again and we look forward. We're going to have to talk about marriage more. Oh, absolutely. Because we didn't even get to the Ephesians 5 where wives are called to submit to their husbands. And there's that word submit that just raises everybody's hackles. It sure does. It does. And it is going to be it's going to be a great conversation. We have so many more notes on this topic of marriage. And I am excited that in future episodes, we will dive into that. But for right now, we're signing off. This is Shell. And this is Jeannie. And we're the Gritty Girls. And we're glad that you joined us.